and I'm going to need somebody, and this just come to my mind, I'm looking back there at the one I always call upon, Leslie, Shannon, need a whole bunch of Lord's Supper stuff. Don't you love that I give you such a big notice? You can head that way if you two right now, and hopefully we got enough stuff for the Lord's Supper. So there they go. Twelve and twenty-two, that's the twelve guys that I disciple. And because God has wrecked some services through communion, Lord's Supper, through foot washing, through baptism, that led into the 12 and 22 discussion of baptism, Lord's Supper, foot washing. As a Baptist, and I hope you're more of a Christian than you are a Baptist, there's two ordinances. That's baptism, and that's the Lord's Supper. Foot washing is not an ordinance, but I believe with all of my heart should be done. The reason it's not an ordinance, and the Lord's Supper and baptism is, is because in the Gospels we find baptism, we find the Lord's Supper, and we find feet washing. But the birth of the church, which takes place in Acts, and then after the birth of the church, Acts, we have letters to the churches. Is everybody staying with me? You will not find foot washing in the book of Acts and none of the epistles. Therefore, although it was done in the Gospels, we never saw it done after the birth of the church. Was it done? I'm sure it was, and you'll see why we believe that a little later. But in that discussion, it was brought up in the 12 and 22 group, do we not do the Lord's Supper? That's not the first time that's ever been asked here. There's many of you who's come and asked me, why don't we do the Lord's Supper? I said, we do. Four to five times a year. I've never been a part of it. Because you don't come on Sunday nights. See, I get in trouble for not doing things that a body of believers should be doing, but it's usually the people that aren't there when we're doing it. So the Lord's really wrecked some of these services, so we're going to do the Lord's Supper this morning. And as you can see, i got folks back there and, and, and if you can hear me in the kitchen, just throw them. They don't need to be doing it. But they'll get them out here. They don't need to be setting it in them little deals. Somebody can tell them. They can just throw them in a bowl, as far as I'm concerned. But I want you to listen to me. We're going to do the Lord's Supper this morning. And the reason we don't do it... Okay, I'm just going to take off. You ready? Exodus chapter 12, the Lord's Supper. No, you say. It's in Matthew, it's in Mark, it's in Luke. The Lord's Supper, Exodus chapter 12. Don't you love, before He sent the last plague, the death angel, He instituted the Passover feast. Get a hold of that. He institutes the Passover feast before the Passover ever happens. Do you guys realize that God usually gives us a picture and a type of things that are going to happen before they ever happen? In Exodus chapter 12, he tells these folks, you need to get a lamb, it needs to be a male lamb, under a year old, and it needs to not have a blemish. You're going to kill this lamb at twilight, one for each family. This lamb is to be roasted on fire, 
And when you roast it on fire, you're going to partake, don't forget this, unleavened bread. But I tell you what, when we cook, we want to put real good seasoning on it, don't we? Be sure you put some bitter herbs on the lamb. Kind of makes you think about that bitter sour wine on the cross, don't it? Then he says, you will eat the flesh of the lamb's body, roasted on fire with unleavened bread, put bitter herbs on it, and you shall eat it. And then in Exodus 12, 24, he says, and you shall observe this thing as an ordinance, there's that word, ordinance, for you and your sons, listen to this, forever. I'm putting something in as an ordinance, something that needs to be done, and you'll do it forever. It will come to pass when you come to the land which the Lord will give you just as He's promised. Every promise is yes and amen in Jesus Christ. You're going to come to this promised land, but you keep this service. Don't quit the Passover When you get to the promised land. Keep on doing it. And it shall be. Listen to this. When your children say. What do we mean by this service? You want me lay person. In other words that to you. There's going to come a time. When the dads and the granddads. And the firstborn that was released from Egypt. They're going to die off. It's going to come all these years later and there's going to be some little kid, somebody that wasn't around, and when they're headed to the Passover, they're going to say, Daddy, Daddy, what are we doing this for? God's always ahead of us, ain't He? And when they ask that, He says, here's how you answer. It is the Passover sacrifice of the Lord. who passed over the houses of the children of Israel. Remember when they put that blood on the doorpost and the lintel? That's a picture of the cross. Who passed over the houses of the children of Israel and Egypt, which he struck the Egyptians. And listen to this. And delivered... Our households. Can you imagine a daddy trying to explain that several generations later? He would have just simply said, the children of Israel, they sinned, they turned from God. He gave them over to the Egyptians. They was there 400 years in bondage. And God heard their cry, son. God sent a man by the name of Moses down there. God began to perform miracles. Plagues, And the last plague he performed was he told the family to kill a lamb, take the blood of that lamb and put it on the doorpost and on the top. And the death angel was going to come through that night and kill the firstborn of every household. But if God, if, if the death angel saw what God had told us to do and the blood applied to the post, guess what? The death angel passed right on by. And the firstborn didn't die. That's why we're doing what we do. And look right there and it says the people bowed their head and worship. Folks, those first few generations, you think it was pretty easy for them to worship, wasn't it? Come on now. When they partook of that Passover and they looked there at their firstborn. You got a firstborn here this morning? Look at them. Come on. It wasn't real hard to worship because a lot of people didn't get out of there with their firstborn. But God gave them his instructions and they shed the blood and the death overpassed, the death angel passed over their house and they could worship real easy. They didn't have to dig it up because their firstborn was there because God allowed them to be there. You staying with me? So can I say from that, change your mindset. You don't come to church to worship. You bring your worship to church. 
You get up on Sunday morning, I'm going to come and worship. No, get your worship and bring it to church. Because you was more than led out of bondage of the Egypts. You was led out of the bondage of sin, and you've been delivered from an eternal hell. So you ought to be worshiping every day of your life. And on Sunday, you ought to just bring it down here. Everybody got that? And so that was in Exodus chapter 12. Can we hit fast forward and get plumb into Matthew 26 now? So where was Jesus? He was at that Passover. He was partaking of that very meal. Right? And at that Passover that they've kept for all of these years, and the Jewish still do. Look here. Jesus is there with his twelve. And it says, they're, they're, so they're observing what God had done for his nation Israel. That's what they're doing. They're at the feast, of the, fast, the, the feast of the Passover. And so here is Jesus. What is Jesus? What did John the Baptist say about him when he was baptizing in Jordan in spite of him? The Lamb of God. He's a male. He's without blemish. That does what? Every lamb that's ever been killed to this point just simply covered sin. What did John the Baptist say about John the, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. So now he's at this Passover where they're celebrating God delivering the children of Israel out of the hand of Egyptians. So has everybody got that? And it says, and as they were eating this Passover meal, Jesus took the bread, he blessed it and broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, eat. Take and eat, this is my body. That was a picture in Exodus what was fixing to happen at Calvary. It was prophesied by Isaiah when he said, Surely he has borne our griefs, he has carried our sorrows, yet we esteem him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. And it goes on, it's prophesied, He was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace was laid upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. What was happening? He was at this feast, and he knows just a few days later, his body is going to be broken. The lamb couldn't have a bone broken, and neither did Jesus. So he's telling them at this Passover meal what happened to that lamb in Exodus chapter 12, what we're celebrating all these years later. A few days from now, they'll put my hands together. They'll tie them on a whooping post. And there'll be two big old barrel-chested Roman soldiers beat my body 39 times with the cat of nine tails. It was all a picture, and she's fixing to happen. And they didn't even understand it at that point, but a few days later they was going to understand exactly what he meant. I'm the lamb. My body's fixing to be beaten and broken for your sins. And then he took, in verse 27, Matthew 26, the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant. This blood was different than any blood that had ever been shed. All that blood could do was cover it for a short time. This is the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remissions of sin. We don't have to have a bloody place here today because Calvary was bloody. Aren't you glad this ain't a bloody place today of you guys bringing your animals for the leaders of this church to sacrifice them so just to cover your sins, but for you to go out and send some more this week and bring some more in next week for us, and this place would be a bloody mess, wouldn't it? Are you with me? Thank God for that blood that was shed. It was a bloody place at Calvary. Therefore, this place don't have to be a bloody place. And all God's people ought to be saying amen. And so, without the shedding of blood, no remission of sins. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses me from all my sin. So we've had this Passover meal from Exodus all the way to now. And at that very meal, fulfillment of the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world steps up. And shows my body's fixing to be broken. My blood's going to be shed. You with me? 
So I want you to think about Exodus chapter 12. There was a sacrifice. The lamb had to die. And I want you to think about it. He was simply a substitute for the firstborn. That lamb died in the place of the firstborn male child. So that sacrifice of that lamb and that substitution, we're going to have a little algebra today, S plus S equals S. That equals salvation. That's how they were saved. That's how they got out. So the lamb of God, he's the sacrifice. He's a substitute. That was our cross. The wages of sin is death. That's my cross. That's your cross. He was substitute there, wasn't he? S plus S, it still equals what? Salvation. You was in bondage to sin and self and Satan. And guess what? He showed up as a sacrifice and a substitute so we could be saved. And we ought to just give the Lord a clap offering for that. Amen. So do you see it from Exodus to the Passover? Now, I want to show you something else from Exodus. There was some rules. There was some regulations in that Passover feast. I'm just going to point out a couple. Number one, if you go read Exodus 12 real good, you could not partake of leavened bread during that Passover. The only kind of bread you could partake of was unleavened bread. Has everybody got me? Unleavened bread. Exodus twelve nineteen says, Whoever eats what is leavened, that same person shall be cut off from the congregation of Israel. What does leaven represent in the Scriptures? Sin. In other words, sin got you here. I've sent a sacrifice and a substitute. And so we've got to get rid of the sin. We've got to deal with the sin. And that takes the shedding of blood. But watch this. In Exodus twelve forty three, it says, No foreigner shall eat of it. Got that? So, here in a moment, they're going to pass out. Matter of fact, it would be a good time to do it. Don't have it. We don't have the Lord's Supper. We're going to have it in five minutes. My wife was acting like we were never going to have it again. I'm going to say the Lord's going to smite us. Okay, that's fine. There'll be plenty to do. I promise you. That's why God wrecked the service. Last night we knew the Lord's Supper was taking place at Telequal. Found out about three this morning it was taking place here. And they're just something that I just don't like calling people at three o'clock. Mike says, don't bother you call me We hours of the... But it'll be here. So, so listen to this. When I come to this part, no foreigner shall partake of it. Here in a moment, we're going to have it. Five minutes, what I've been told. And we're going to pass it out, and I want everybody to take it. Not everybody take it. Everybody accept it. You with me? Everybody accept it. Because just as there was rules in Exodus chapter 12, don't eat leavened bread. That's a representation of sin. Don't let a foreigner take it. That's a representation of a lost person. If you come here today and you're not saved, you're a foreigner. You're not in the family of God. The Bible clearly states you're a child of the devil until you get saved. So if you're here today and you're lost, you shouldn't partake of the Lord's Supper. So in Exodus chapter 12, the Passover lamb, he says, you've got to deal with sin, you've got to deal with salvation. You've got to be part of the family. Now turn to 1 Corinthians 11, 23. And you can watch Exodus tied to the New Testament, can't you? He's telling us how to prepare for the Lord's Supper in 1 Corinthians. And watch. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, 
This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. As often as you eat the bread and drink of the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. It's more of a teaching than it is a preaching. How often am I asked, how often should we do the Lord's Supper? I want to tell you the scripture doesn't tell us how often to do it. There is churches that do it every Sunday. Listen to me. If they are doing it with honor and reverence, and it doesn't just become a ritual or religion to them, this preacher says, hats off. I don't ever want to do it every week because I don't want it to be something that we do and just go through the motions. And it seems to me the Bible tells us to assemble on the first day of the week, be in the Spirit on the first day of the week, bring your tithes and offerings the first day of the week, but he leaves the Lord's Supper up to us. He says, in other words, I don't care how often you do it, but you better line up and you better do it right. So it doesn't matter how often we do this. And the people that has done it here on Sunday night said, man, it just seems like it just has so much more to it when you prepare us through the Scriptures. Life has so much more to it when we prepare through the Scriptures. But watch this. What did you have to do in Exodus? You had to deal with the sin, and you couldn't be a foreigner. Therefore, whoever eats of this bread or drinks of this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Examine yourself. Ask the Holy Spirit to shine His light on your heart. See if there be any wicked way, any sin, any leaven. And leave it at the altar. Make sure you're saved. Mark Walker, Sunday night. People are in the altars getting the leaven out of their life. Getting the sin confessed before God. Because isn't it good? If you got the cup in your hand, you got sin in your life. He says, just listen. Just go right up there. You can take the Lord's Supper today. Just make sure you get your sins under the precious blood. But then when people was doing that, Mark Walker walked up in front of the pulpit and he said, man, I need to be saved. He realized he's a foreigner. Man, I've got to get saved if I'm going to partake of this Lord's Supper. So somebody might need to do what Mark Walker done that night. You're a foreigner. You're not, you're not saved. And today you realize, man, I want to partake of this. I'm in bondage to sin and I'm ready. So... You had to deal with the leaven, the sin, and you had to be part of the family. And then he says, For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. Be careful taking the Lord's Supper and prepare for it. That's the danger of doing it every week. He says, For this reason many are weak, sick among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. Well, the world says, we ain't supposed to be judging. Let me tell you what we ought to do. We ought to come together as a body of believers, and we ought to open the Word of God, and we ought to let it judge us. Because it says, if we would judge ourselves, we wouldn't be judged. I'd lots rather talk about my sin and stuff like that right here between brothers and sisters and get it covered by God so He don't reveal it to the whole world. Now watch what happens. He says... But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord. As a believer, we are chastened by the Lord. Now, I don't like to go to the woodshed with God, do you? (laughs) But I tell you, when I read these verses, I'm thankful that He takes me to the woodshed. Look at it. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord. Why? That we might not be condemned with the world. You know what that said? I'll in other words it for you. God don't go around whooping the devil's kids. If you're my kid, I will discipline you. And the reason I'll discipline you is I've saved you. And you're never going to be condemned. You can be chastened, but you'll never be condemned to an eternal hell. And I'm so glad that he chastens me. I get in trouble when I get out of line. Because what that does is confirm to me I'm his child and I am heaven bound. I may not like the chastening when it's happening. 
But I'm going to tell you what, when I read verses like that, I thank the Lord that I'm His child and I'm chastened. Therefore, I will never be condemned. No condemnation for those which are in Christ Jesus. Amen. So how we prepare for the Lord's Supper is we open these altars. Brother Mike, you play us a song. If you're here, in a moment we're going to have some juice and some bread. But while we wait on it, it be a good time for us to examine and make sure all the leaven in our life is out. Is there some kind of sin that's crept in? The sin of commission, you're, 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 you're doing something that God's Word tells you not to. The sin of omission, you've not been doing the things that God's been telling you to do. How about the sin of disposition, just some bitterness and jealousy in the body of Christ? Man, before we partake of the Lord's Supper, you've got to get rid of the leaven. You've got to get rid of the sin. Let's all stand. But listen, with a crowd this size, there's probably somebody here that you're a foreigner. You're still a child of the devil. But right now, you say, man, I, I just need to be saved. And you may have been baptized, you may have joined the church, but today you realize, man, I'm a foreigner and I'm ready to be saved. I want to give my heart and life to Jesus. So we are preparing for the Lord's Supper right now. And we'll do that with our nursery workers and kids workers if they want to stay afterwards or if they've heard. And so you guys that are passing out the bread, just make sure everybody within the sound of my voice gets it. Rowdy and Dusty have got the plates going through. You take that. I hope you've examined yourself. you to think about that that lamb that you spent 14 days with in Exodus 12 you, and how about you families that's ever had that pet that maybe even when it come in the house the first day or two you wasn't real fond of it but that lamb had to be in that house 14 days the Lord he just wanted you to get a relationship huh 
And so handing out the bread, I want you to think that lamb that they thought so much of, he had to be killed. Can you imagine the kids in the house that day? But can you imagine how much more when Jesus said, I'm the one? And you take that bread, when you hold it in your hand, please remember today. That represents his body that was beaten with that cat of nine tails. The scriptures tell us his body was beaten, unrecognizable. And so, does everybody, Dusty, I got, I need one. Oh, they got, never mind. Wasn't aware of it. So my question, does everybody have the bread? And I'll ask the guys handing out the cups right now if they'll just... Just if you've got the if you've got the if you've got the deal of of the cup the juice just stop it where it's at okay just stop that where it's at Bob you just you can just hold that right there Morris has got that I want you to take this right here. I want you today not let this be no religious or ritualized. I want you to realize this is symbolic and a picture when he handed them the bread and broke it of what he was fixing to go through for their sins. Wounded for their transgressions. Chastisement of their peace laid upon them. By his stripes we would be healed. We didn't have to take that beating. Our body didn't have to go to the cross. Our body didn't have to take that cat of nine tails 40 times minus once. Are you with me? Because he took it for us. The sacrifice and the substitute. Father, as we hold this bread, help us not to let this be a ritual, religious act. Help us to be this to be a reminder of your body that you voluntarily gave as a sacrifice and a substitute on the old rugged cross. And help us to remember Thank you that we had a picture of it in Exodus and it was fulfilled in the Gospels. And to thank you for being willing to have your body beaten for our sins. Thank you for taking the stripes so that we could be healed, bruised for our iniquities. Bless it now as we remember. In Jesus' name. And now cup just continue to pass it around
stuff like this, us just sitting and waiting, we think, oh man, it's 11.30. to cover but to pay for all of our sins we love you Lord Jesus and we ask you to bless as we are reminded and we remember your blood here today and they partook of the cup now I'm going to ask you to do something if you want to read about the Lord's Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And supper being ended, the devil, having already put in the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from supper, laid aside his garments, took a towel, and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin. He began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel from which... He was girded. Then he came to Simon Peter. Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? There's a lot going on up here. Please listen to these words. Because they're in the color red. That means our Lord spoke. Jesus answered and said to him, What I am doing, you do not understand now, but you will know after this. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you will have no part with me. I believe when Peter looked into Jesus' eyes, he understood that Jesus was about to prove to him that if you're not humble, I'll have no part of you and you'll have no part of me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but my hands and also my head. Jesus said to him, He who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. 
For he knew who would betray him. Therefore he said, you are not all clean. So when he had washed their feet, taking his garments, and he sat down, he said to them, Do you know what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, Well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and your teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you shall do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you who do them.
a bit of a stretch today, huh? A little bit of a stretch. You know, I sent a text to my family yesterday. Said, just wondering if you guys would be willing. Miss Cindy, would you come and let the ladies wash your feet? Miss Cindy Robertson. And I sent that text to my family. We're just wondering if you guys would be willing to wash feet at tomorrow's services. I knew some was going to just say yes immediately. And I knew some it was going to be a real, real tough decision. Now, I'm not going to name the names of those. But those of you that helped us raise them, you know which ones that is. But I was so glad that they dug deep, got out of their comfort zone to humbly say thank you to a church that helped raise them. They've been here since they were little kids. Now they got little kids here. Why don't we continue as a body of believers to help one another, help raise one another's kids, grandkids, never let them forget why we partake of the Lord's Supper, why we gather together. Huh? And can I say again, I wish, and maybe the next time the Lord lays this on my heart, maybe I get to wash every person's feet. That's the toughest thing of what happened today because I see so many faithfuls out there. Thank you. And I'm going to ask Mike because after they done all these things, they bowed their heads and worshipped. And they didn't have to dig up worship. They realized they had their firstborn because of what God done. Man, you've lost a love when you get to spend eternity with them because what Jesus done on the cross. We've been delivered from the bondage of sin and self and Satan. So Mike's going to lead us in some worship songs. But as we worship the Lord, don't forget, we can commune with Him because of His body and His blood, His death, burial, and resurrection. But that's what we have in common here today. Man, there's a lot of us who are so different in our personalities and, and our likes and our dislikes, aren't we? But look here. As we worship today, encourage somebody. Because of the death, burial, and resurrection, they're your brothers, they're your sisters. Amen. Let's all stand. It ought to be easy to worship today. Commune with God and commune with one another. Savior's love divine 
love that brought him from the realms of glory just to save a sinful soul like mine is it the love of Jesus something wonderful 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 oh isn't the love of Jesus something wonderful wonderful it is to me boundless as the universe around me reaching to the farthest soul away saving keeping love it was that found me that is why my heart can truly sing isn't the love of Jesus something wonderful 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 oh isn't the love of Jesus something wonderful wonderful it is to me love beyond our human comprehending love of God in Christ how can it be this will be my theme and never ending great redeeming love of Calvary isn't the love of Jesus something wonderful sing it out sing it wonderful wonderful oh isn't the love of Jesus something wonderful wonderful it is to me sing his little chorus thank you Lord thank you Miss Moore for saving my soul thank you Lord for making me whole thank you Lord for giving to me thy great salvation so rich Altars are open. and free sing it again still in the altars I'm going to ask Mike to just continue to play I'll tell you what happened last Sunday I was in Trout, Louisiana about half the size of Moody quarter the size of Pegs I was in a little place it was an outside service And it was just about three hours long. And as I sat there and watched that service, the first part of it, and I was handed the baton in the middle of it, and I extended God's invitation after I preached God's word, I just watched the altars keep foot. The altar was full after my first point. I just turned around and thought, man, I didn't give the invitation yet. altars was full after the first point but one of the things I noticed is when the service was over there we was headed down to the pond to baptize some people that were saved the day before and Miss Lorenda just kept singing and didn't even know they was going to be there. I've done numerous church services with them in Ida Bell, Oklahoma. I had no idea they was going to be leading worship in Trout, Louisiana. Aaron and Lorenda. And I'm telling you, as Marty Brock puts it, she's my favorite female vocalist there is. I mean, 
can sing. And I noticed she never quit singing and the crowd kind of as a whole began to move toward the pond which was a little over a half a mile down the road. And I kind of looked around and wondered, but she just kept singing. Seats were empty, everybody gone. But there's about five or six people knelt around a young lady. And I couldn't hear nothing but crying and weeping. And all of a sudden, I just, stared, I just sat there and watched them. I actually videoed some of it. Just didn't know what was happening at the time. But all of a sudden, there was a lady stood up. She went, Whoa! And I said, What happened? She said, Cast, just give her life to Jesus. Didn't think we was ever going to get her birthed. Thank God for spiritual midwives. Huh? Don't ever hurry an altar call. Because you never know when somebody's being birthed. Cassie come up to me after. She just went straight down and was baptized. Pretty young girl. But man, could you see the marks of sin and addiction. And this marks, barring a miracle from God, will always be there. And I said, congratulations on your salvation. She began to cry. See, there was two buses that arrived there that morning. I had no idea what they was. But they was from a halfway house. She said, thank you. This morning I got up and I was walking down the road. I was leaving. She began to cry even more. And she said, and then I turned around. And I come back. And there's loading them buses. She began to weep. She said, I'm so glad I didn't leave. I'm so glad I turned around and come back and got on that bus. What's the significance? She's saved. She's born again. And she's heaven bound. And she's got some help with her addiction. More than a halfway house. Amen. So I hope you'll come back tonight. We're going to pray for two things that the Lord really, really showed me in Trout, Louisiana that's needed here. So our prayer meeting tonight, you come to it, and I'll share those two things that He showed me down there. And uh, man, I just promise you, it was good to be in the house this morning. And it, it'll be good if you'll come back tonight and be a part of the prayer meeting. Amen. Amen. Bob Mazingo, will you close us in a word of prayer?